Thanks for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death, UFOs, and other creepy, Cults. weird, random shows. There you go. Yeah. Not uh, just naming things in the room. Oh my god. There's a cult of ghosts. That was a lot better. That was a lot better. That wasn't awkward. I love. That was like our fourth. Day. It's like when you you're at the store and you turn an aisle and you're like second cousins there. <laughs> he didn't really. Oh, hi. Hey, buddy. Hey, we're back. We are here. We're middle aged mediocre. Oh fuck. I'm Cash. So much. I'm mediocre. I'm Joel. You're Joel. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if we're middle aged. I hope you know. You don't know till you die. No. Nope. Until you die. Nope. And then you gotta do that. That's not that backward math. That, yes, that's right. <laughs> a death math. <laughs> that's, yeah, let's not do it. You gotta do some of that death math. <laughs> uh, well, we are back. What's going on, man? Ah, uh, just you know, stuff. we took a week off. I think. Yeah, took. I had comedy. Yeah. Had a big comedy show Saturday. You had to tell jokes. So, yeah, I had to. So I went up, did that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I have more comedy coming up. Should we get that? Where, what was the show you just you just did? Uh, Airport Tavern. That was the yeah. show there with uh, Jacob Paul's headliner, Nikki Ryan, and Angie Davis. And then uh, what did I say about the? <laughs> you got a Jackson one coming up, maybe. No, that's or... the, I'm not doing that open mic. I have one at the Lost Anchor this Saturday in Vienna with Rob Ward. Is that a restaurant? Yeah, club it's a thing? restaurant. Okay. okay. Yeah, their first is their second show. The first one looks sold out. Um, nice. Yeah, Nikki's hosting that one. I get the feature, and Rob, he's won like something at the Apollo. I just read. That's the guy that's telling you. Yeah, about. he has toured with Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he he looks like legit, pretty pretty legit. So that's dude, this so Saturday. That's this Saturday okay. at the Lost Anchor in Vienna. So if you're from around town, that's what, what time Virginia. is that? What time is it? Probably eight. Probably eight. That yeah. sounds about good. <laughs> that sounds about seven or eight. You know. Yeah, I've seen I've seen him. Before. I've seen Rob Ward before. Okay, cool. On, uh, Comedy Central and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. So he was on Comedy Central. So, so he is funny. I thought he was one of the. Uh, uh, Kevin Hart has like a group that goes around with him. Either called like the Red Cup Boys or the Plastic Cup Boys. It said he was on the Lit AF tour. Yeah, he's not a part of the. I thought he was one of the dudes in that group, but he's not. If he plays his card right, he might be a good boy extraordinaire. He may be he's GBX, and that's better than anything. He may be, you know, new a new member of the Middle Age Podcast. Yeah, if we okay. Get him do a uh, wonder. That's what we need. We need like uh, start doing. Uh, some calling interviews and things with you need to meet these people. Yeah. Get us to their audience. Yeah. That's how this works. I'll I'll get with Kevin Farley for my show next week. Well, weekend. I mean, it's Chris Farley <laughs> pretending <laughs> to be a guy named Kevin Farley. <laughs> if he keeps saying that, he's definitely not coming on. And if he is, he's gonna be pissed. Uh I would like to ask him, why are you hiding your audience <laughs> Are you he looks exactly... I know they're brothers. I was going to say, that's, that's genius. But my God, they look exactly like that. He's from Wisconsin. Are I'm they sure, twins? I'm sure 80% of Wisconsin looks like that. Oh, so now you're just, now you're just mocking Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah. <laughs> Fucking cheeseheads. But they're not going to like that down there in Wisconsin. Well, that's okay. Come talk to me, Wisconsin. A lot of murder there in Wisconsin. A lot of badgers. A lot of badgers. From what I hear. <laughs> we guess. Badgers and bucks. Oh, my. So when's, your, when's the show, Kevin Farley? Uh, that's March 25th. And that's at the Smoot Or March theater. 28th or March 15th. That's sometime yeah, in there. Yeah, but that's at the Smooth. That's, that's at the a Smoot. cool theater. Yeah, with uh, Dan Ellis and the Redneck, uh, the Educated Redneck. Oh. Yeah, those his. are rare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's his, that's his thing. All right. Uh, I feel like that's what, uh, wasn't that kind of Cliff Cash's gimmick? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. He says it a little bit. Okay, here it is. I have it. February twenty fifth, Saturday. Rob Ward. Uh, eight o'clock. Does it say on here? I'm saying eight o'clock. Nine o'clock. Oh, no, man. Nine, nine, nine o'clock. <laughs> this is your thing. I know. I'm so good at it. I'm so good at it. Oh, then I am back at Gators too. Fucking March eighteenth. Can we just take a second to look who's on the show as well? Uh, do you want me to say it? Or? Sure, sure. Oh, no. <laughs> Why? I don't know. But go to that show, too. So that one's March 18th <laughs> at Gators, St. Yeah. Patrick's Day Comedy Show, 8 p.m. Me and Nikki again. Hosted by St. Uh, Pat Finkel. Yeah. With Ryan Haroff, Joel Gant, Nikki Ryan, featuring Bryce Vickers, 
And Uncle Larry. Uncle Larry! Jesus Christ, why is he on there? <laughs> Alright, but that'll be a fun, fun show, fun comedy show. Uh, Showtime's 8pm, pre-sale tickets available, or at the pub and online, 18 bucks a ticket, twenty-one or 10 bucks a ticket, 21 plus show, uh, unless accompanied by a parent. Oh, so kids, come on out and see Uncle Larry. And that Gators Pub is located in Marietta, yeah. Ohio. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a, a post on the Middle Age and Mediocre Facebook page. Yeah, you got to start sending me these things. Yeah, and I'll we'll, gonna, we'll get like a little something made up. Start sharing them. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to start off by giving out a disclaimer. I guess. Okay. I didn't know I need to do this. Uh, or maybe this is like my apology video. Or my apology uh-huh. thing. You got a lot to be sorry for, mister. <laughs> so I've been looking forward to this. Got a whole list of things. <laughs> no, uh, so I don't know if you saw it. I posted a TikTok the other day, uh, which I thought was like... A, Is that where you're playing the little ukulele? Yeah. yeah, that was good. I thought like it was very apparent that I was joking. Uh-huh. Um so I posted a thing where I was talking about how the balloon, right? The balloons and all this. These, yeah. This is just the, this is just the government distracting us. <laughs> I mean, it's clear as day, yeah. you know. And then I said, anyways, here's Wonderwall. Sure. And I had a little tiny toy pink <laughs> ukulele, and I sang the wrong lyrics. I sang. I wish uh, you would. Yeah. yeah jumper. You, yeah. Uh, Third eye blind. <laughs> yeah. And I the had, whole thing's a parody. I had little like stickers of like the crazy guy from the history alien show where uh-huh. he's always everything's aliens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I you know, I had all this stuff where I was like, clearly this is uh parody. Yeah. You know. And I figured there would be like a few people like that I didn't know comment to like agree with it, like sure. thinking I was and I got tons of that. Unfortunately now I have quite the MAGA following oh, on TikTok. No. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I got tons of follows from people with Trump in their profile picture, MAGA. Oh. I'm getting messages from people where they're sending me, like, stories about how this is all cover-up. Oh, oh no! <laughs> so I've, I've infiltrated the group. You're in there. But here's the thing that has blown my mind. I give mind. it a week, and you're going to be full-on, like, a you're, MAGA. You're, you're going to be a over, Trumper. You're going to come over here. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have a big Trump Rambo flag. Yep, yep. Uh, here's the thing, though. The amount, like, I mean, it's only, you know, I can count as, I can count the people on one hand. Yeah. But that's still too many for me. Uh-huh. That know me, that know me, like, have been <laughs> around me, and they've messaged me going, like, uh, are you serious? Like, what do you think they're distracting us from? <laughs> and I've been like, I was, it was, it was a joke. Yeah, I was, was just being funny. <laughs> and they were like, oh, I didn't get that. Like, I thought you were serious. Oh. I was like, did the sarcastic tone of voice and the tiny <laughs> pink ukulele not give it away? So, just if you're out there listening, uh, and you stumble upon that TikTok video, I was not being serious, uh, because here's the thing, why, like, who in their right mind thinks that we need to be distracted still? (laughs) Yeah. The only thing anyone cared about was Rihanna's halftime performance, Uh and, like, if that was, you know, woke or not. Like, we are already distracted. Yeah. They don't, the government does not need to distract us anymore. We care about dumb shit. (laughs) (laughs) We, the only thing, like, I, like, do you, have you been following the, all of the shit that's been getting shot down? Nope. I mean, I see the jokes. There's been like four or five things now. Yeah. And it's, you know, all these people are, yeah, they think it's like all a distraction. Like, they're trying to do something. Underhanded. While we're not looking, while we're looking at that, what are we missing? Yeah, we would just be looking at something else. You just so they're on your phone. Are gonna it's be... just the dumbest shit ever. Yeah, I do believe. Like, I do find it funny that the two, there was one that was like shot down over Lake Huron, Michigan, uh-huh. and then one shot down somewhere else, kind of in that area. And they haven't been able to like they have they came out and said they can't find the they can't find them. Uh huh. Which I like. So now I'm wondering, did you find them? Are they aliens? Yeah, you know, but no, that's bullshit. Remember too. Bloom Boy? Bloom Boy, he was in his clo- he was in his like upstairs closet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you see, please know that the things I post, I am not serious yeah. ever about things. And we don't, you don't give a fuck. And if you know me, like, how do you think <laughs> I'm being serious about this? It's not much of an apology, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're kind of calling people. You're kind of calling people stupid for just. I like, said kind <laughs> of my apology. <laughs>
I'm apologizing. I'm sorry, y'all are so stupid. I'm that apologizing you on others' behalf yeah, okay. for being dumb. I get it. Oh, that's cool. That's you know, and like I said, I I figured there would be some just, people that put out that blanket statement that, that just, I didn't know that yeah. would leave comments. You know, like one guy commented, and he was like, "More of this? What do you like? Do you really think they're trying to distract us?" And I'm like, "No, dude." <laughs> What did you like, my did guitar? Did you not see the ukulele? I play a little guitar. I have a tiny little toy. Yeah. <laughs> I have it right here. Where'd that come from? That's what, I, That was my question from all this. Is Where did you get a little tiny pink ukulele? I bought it one day at a, toy, at like a dollar store. <laughs> okay. Just, just because I was like, I'll use this in a video one day. Yeah, and you did. All right. You can't. There's like It doesn't make music. No. It's a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. But it's got a little bunny on it. It's, oh, it says rabbit? Yeah. Okay. And it's like the side, like, I mean, my hand. Uh-huh. It's, it's almost. You could honky-tonk someone with that, though, still. Hit him in the head. Come on. Kind of. Yeah. It would do some damage, I think. Sure. But I'll be performing uh, at the Smoot as well. <laughs> what are, Outside the Smoot. Until they stop me. <laughs> until they make me leave. Uh, we got a couple stories for you. We got three for you, actually, okay. today. And uh, the first one's kind of, I'm going to kind of go right into this from the uh, government cover-up angle. (laughs) So You're sending all the mixed signals (laughs) right now, okay? Well, this one, uh, like, so there's no way this went down the way they're saying it. Like, something was going on here, and it's just a very strange story about a man that was found dead. Oh. So this took place in 2010, uh, August 23rd, 2010, uh... Late afternoon, police officers arrived at Flat 4 on 36 Alderney Street in Pimlico, which I'm not exactly sure where that's at. Uh, to say flat, that's like a kind of like a British term, isn't it? Uh, it was in, in Baltimore. Okay. Baltimore, same thing. And it was at, yeah, Flat 4. You would think that would be... I mean, um, aren't all apartments flat? You would think so. Huh? No, it's in London. Okay, I was so right. they yeah, I was right. it's in London. Uh, so they were, the police arrived there to do a welfare check on a resident there, and uh, it was warm outside. It was summer, you know, it was August. Uh, the heating inside was turned up to eighty six degrees. Toasty. So it was it was hot in there. It was warm, uh, but everything was quiet. Officers walked through <clears throat> the apartment, uh, calling out for the person to live there. Nothing came. You know, no response came through. Uh, then, I mean, the place was like spotless. There was, it was very clean. Um, looked like nobody actually been there in days. There were some boxes and suitcases. Uh, looked like somebody was planning on moving out. Actually, there was a lot of, there was laptops, uh, two cell phones, a couple of SIM cards, but the guy that was supposed to be living there, Gareth Williams was nowhere to be found. Uh, Gareth Williams was a Welsh born crypto analyst who came to London on uh, from the government communications headquarters <clears throat> in Cheltenham. He had failed to show up for work. It had been about a week since anybody had heard from him, and his work had called the police to do a welfare check for him. In the master bedroom, officers saw men's clothing neatly folded and laid out on the bed. Uh, there was a gown, um, a dressing, like a dresser, yeah, and a duvet. All uh, right. They looked like they were kind of like, they were out of place. They were the only thing that was kind of out of place in this whole place. It looked like they were kind of like thrown on the floor. Yeah. Uh, then they noticed in the Maybe bathtub. going through the dresser in the duvet. In the duvet. In the bathtub, they found a big red duffel bag. Uh, they walked closer. They saw that the bag was zipped, closed, uh, zip closed and locked with a padlock. So then uh, Officer John Gallagher lifted the bag and noticed a reddish fluid trickling out of the bottom. Oh, there's a body in that bag. They made a small incision, and inside the bag they found the decomposing body of uh, a man that they believed to be Gareth Williams. So Gareth was born uh, September 26, 1978, and uh, he was you know in Wales. Uh, he had one sister, always close to her. His first language was Welsh. He was exceptionally bright as a student, uh, very, very good at mathematics. Uh, he uh, passed his standardized high school test. Um, he basically passed high school at age 10. Damn. He was very brilliant. He stayed in, ho- he stayed in high school, however, uh, ended up getting a part-time degree, managed to complete his degree in mathematics at Bangor University by the time he was 17 years old. 
After that, he went on to complete his PhD in computer science at the University of Manchester. From there, he enrolled at St. Catherine's College to do a postgraduate degree. Uh, before he could finish his studies, though, his life changed pretty d dramatically. Uh, he came to the attention of Britain's government communications headquarters soon after graduating. Uh, their communication headquarters is the UK's equivalent of America's National Security Agency, or NSA. NSA! Uh, <coughs> the GCHQ gather information and ask, ask, assess possible security risks of the UK. They are also responsible for securing UK's own communications. Uh, they get their information from monitoring online and telephone activity. Uh, Edward Snowden, he the, that was what he exposed with okay. some of their uh, practices. Um, like the fact that they spied on foreign politicians during the 2009 G20 summit in London. Uh, they did this by tapping into their phones and computers and then said, you know, that's all in the name of national security. Sure. So it was rumored that Gareth was spotted by the GCHQ as a online gamer. Uh, he was also amazing, you know, online games. He was yeah. a smart dude. Uh, between his intelligence and his qualification in mathematics, he was uh, targeted by them to become like a valuable asset for them. When they employed him as a code breaker, uh, crypto analyst, he abandoned his studies at Cambridge. Uh, so the GH or GCHQ's building is referred to as the Donut, and it is located in Cheltenham. Cheltenham. In order to be closer to work, he rented an apartment in the nearby Gloucestershire that would become his home for the next 10 years. Damn. He stayed close to his family in Wales and visited them often. Uh, he was really secretive about his job, though. Did not discuss his work with them, uh, which I'm, you know, is pretty par for the course if you're yeah. working for a national security establishment. He was a quiet... Your Martin Lawrence. <laughs> he was a quiet and private person who enjoyed the finer things in life, art, music, and theater. He also had an appreciation for fashion and design, and it was not unusual for him to give his sister clothing as gifts. Uh, gifts, you know, he would buy her, like, really nice clothes. Yeah. Uh, he loved to cycle. Uh, he was at his happiest when he was cycling in the mountains. His job required him to spend significant time uh, <clears throat> at the RAF Menwith Hill in Harrogate, which has been described as the largest electronic monitoring station in the world. <coughs> it is a communications intercept site that provides intelligence to the UK and the USA. Uh, because of close relations between international agencies, he also worked at NSA headquarters in Maryland, which, that's weird. That's America! Uh, both places we thought that place was. Yeah. So in 2009, he was seconded to uh, Britain's Secret Intelligence Service, MI6, in London for three years. He gave, us a par he gave up his Impossible? apartment. Mission Impossible, their group. He gave up his apartment in Pressbury and took occupancy in a government-owned building in Pimlico, central London. While working for MI6, he was working as a one of a four-person team. He was what they call operationally active and had access to sensitive information regarding foreign intelligence. His job, described by, as described by a senior MI6 agent, only known as F, which is apparently a thing they really do. What the F? Was developing practical applications for emerging technologies. It sounds like you, when you put, I work in logistics. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Work in logistics. <laughs> logistics. One of his last projects was to assist the NSA to uncover international money, money laundering routes used by organized crime groups. One group the investigation focused on was a Moscow-based mafia ring. Uh, Gareth spent most of the summer in the U.S., a combination of work and travel, he attended DEFCON, a hackers convention in Vegas, before returning to London on the 11th of August. By August 2010, he had enough of the fast-paced life of operational work and requested to return to the GCHQ. He missed his life in the country, and the job in London wasn't quite his cup of tea. He confided in his sister about it, and she later remembered the conversation. He, she said that he disliked office culture, uh, going out for post-work drinks, uh, the flashy car competitions, like everybody, you know, yeah. my car is better than yours. Uh, and just the rat race of that kind of life. He even spoke of friction in the office. So he had to finish up some work. They were probably eating his lunch out of the fridge. I, I've worked oh, in an office. Oh, math nerd. Yeah. <laughs> hey, math nerd, you have four cans of pop, I drink two. How many you got now? <laughs> Uh, he previously, or his previous landlady from Pressbury was glad to hear from him when he called and asked if he could move back into his old, old apartment. He returned from the States and was captured on CCTV traveling around London on the, 
on the tube, which I assume is like a subway. That's a subway, yeah. Okay. And visiting shops in the West End and Knightsbridge. He was seen at Harvey Nichols on the 12th of August, at Fortnum and Mason on the 14th, and then buying cakes from Herod's the following day. He also went to a comedy club in East London to watch a drag show by British comedian Johnny Wu called The Johnny Wu Experience. On the CCTV footage, he is always alone and looks relaxed as he makes his way from one place to the next. In the early hours of August 16th, his laptop had been used to access a cycling website. This would be the last known actions of Gareth Williams. On Monday the 16th of August, Gareth was supposed to chair a meeting at the MI6 building, uh, but failed to show up. He was extremely punctual. Uh, His colleagues even said that he was like a Swiss clock, very punctual and very efficient. However, it would take another seven days before they followed up by calling his family, Jeez. asking if they knew where he was. You'd think MI6 would be a place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe be a little bit on top like of it. You would it. think like two hours They're like by. investigating Moscow mobs. <laughs> but they're like, yeah, let's give it seven yeah. days. Let's give it a week. Uh, He's never <laughs> ever been late ever once, but, but. But. Their failure to raise the alarm sooner would become a point of scrutiny in the investigation. Uh, MI6 contacted the Metropolitan Police and requested that they do a welfare check at Gareth's apartment. Uh, like I said, they found the apartment neat. Everything seemed to be in order. No signs of forced entry or burglary. Uh, did not look like any kind of physical altercation had taken place. When they found the sports bag with the human remains in the bathtub, uh, they kind of realized this is some serious shit. Before they could initiate their investigation, though, the heads of the Secret Intelligence Service and the Metropolitan Police met to decide which agency should take care of the take charge of the case. Uh, shortly before his death, Gareth, Gareth qualified to do operational deployment or field work uh, because he had worked closely with the NSA and FBI in America. The U.S. State Department requested that any details regarding his work remain confidential in the course of the investigation. The FBI conducted their own investigation into his death, but kept their findings confidential. Forensic technicians were sent to the flat on Alderney Street to start the investigation. Uh, The apartment was owned by a company registered in the British Virgin Isles, and the the Tennessee was in the name of the Secretary of State. Uh, Some sources came out and said that it was a safe house, but due to lack of security measures, uh, it's probably more reasonable to assume that it was a place where security service agents stayed when they had business in London. Gareth, who had a three-year uh, lease, was given access to stay in the flat when he was in town. Um, with the work he did, he traveled often, only used this place like between trips. Yeah. His sister, uh, Sari, said that he was very specific about who he'd let into the apartment, usually only people who had MI5 or MI6 security clearance. He was you a, MI4? Get the get fuck the out, of out of here. MI7? Mm-mm. Not today. <laughs> he always looked after the keys and made sure no one else had access to his apartment. Huh. So the red North Face bag uh, that you know he, they'd found the body in was yeah. locked with a padlock from the outside. The key to the padlock was inside the bag underneath Gareth's body. Uh, Gareth was naked and placed in a fetal position with his hands folded onto his chest and his face had a calm expression to it. The autopsy could not find any injuries or signs of a struggle on his body. He had some bruises on his elbows, but not significant enough to have caused serious harm. He did not have any patterns of bruising, indicating that he was restrained before his death. What if the elbows, if he was just in the tub trying to get out of the bag and just kept knocking his elbows against the tub? Maybe. So toxicology showed small traces of alcohol and the drug GHB. But the amounts were very, very little. He's a party boy. Well, he didn't drink. Maybe. Oh, and well. he didn't take recreational drugs, according to so maybe someone forced him friends and family. Um, however, the advanced stage decomposition, uh, both of those could have been present naturally. Um, this infuriated Gareth's family and forensic scientists. If Gareth's absence from work was reported sooner, forensic testing could have been much more effective. Three different pathologists performed post-mortem examinations. Examinations. Uh, All three were unable to say what the cause of death was. Most likely, they concluded asphyxiation or poisoning. The only hint of hope was that they had a small amount of DNA found on Gareth's hand. Uh, However, it was later revealed that the DNA belonged to one of the forensic technicians who must have come in contact with Gareth's hands when they took his body out of the bag. Uh... Evidence found at the apartment in Pimlico deepened the mystery even further. Uh, 
Strangely, there was no DNA or fingerprint evidence in the bathtub, not even prints or DNA belonging to Gareth. If he'd been living there, uh, if he had showered or taken a bath in that time, there most definitely would have been traces of his DNA in the bathroom. Well, someone wiped it down. Technicians managed to find small traces of DNA on the zipper fasteners and handles of the duffel bag. But they were not able to... I have DNA all over my zipper (laughs) fasteners. All over. Wow. (laughs) They would have too much DNA. <laughs> yeah, what do we do with all this DNA? All, this DNA? all right, throw away 85% of that DNA. Uh, DNA was also found on Gareth's phone and on a towel. Oh, I got, I got a DNA towel, all right. That happens sometimes. Uh, but they didn't have any, you know, they didn't have a match to compare it to. So yeah. uh, all that it proved was that two people other than Gareth had been in the flat, but it was two. not clear who. Mm. Coming out of the bathroom when the bag was found, investigators looked at the master bedroom. On the bed were stacks of men's clothing, neatly folded and laid out. Uh, in the living room, on the dining table, there was a cell phone with two SIM cards next to it. The phone had been re- erased and restored to factory factory settings. In front of the sofa, on the floor, was a laptop and another cell phone. Then, some elements drew investigators' attention. Uh, this would feed the tabloids' uh desperate need for scandal and take this investigation a whole new direction in the spare room they found 20,000 pounds worth of which whatever that equals dollars um worth of designer women's clothing and shoes it all looked brand new and the clothing was neatly folded and packed with tissue paper only two of the many pairs of shoes had been worn there was also a bright red lady's wig hanging over the back of a dining room chair theories emerged that gareth could have been a crossdresser yeah, he was at that comedy show. He was at the comedy show. Not that that, Right. Some people came forward and said that they thought he was gay, uh, but there was no interest or evidence of any love interest in Gareth's life, gay or heterosexual. He mostly just worked and kept to himself. Um, but investigators were puzzled by the large amount of women's clothing found in the apartment. Gareth's friends and family members said they did not believe the clothes were ever intended to be used by Gareth. They guessed that he had purchased it to give it to his sister and friends. He had an appreciation for fashion, uh, so much so that he had taken two fashion design courses at Central St. Martin's College in London without telling his bosses. Um, so, the you know, the apartment was not his. It was government property used by the Secret Service. Uh, so this could have belonged to a whole different agent, like yeah. a, a female agent who maybe had uh, a, already a large enough wardrobe that she needed Maybe you know. Maybe she used his apartment to put some stuff sure. in. Sure. Um, and he was lean and athletic, but he was muscular. It doesn't seem like he would have even fit. These were all mostly size eight. Yeah. In December of 2010, details that Gareth visited a number of bondage websites was leaked to the media. Uh, and now you know the media started to question: Was his death a BDSM encounter going wrong? Did things get a little too rough? Oh, put me in a put me in a duffel bag. <laughs> a strange incident from his past came out when his landlady, uh, who let him, who let him uh, into the apartment, all that, uh, recalled that she was woken one night by screams for help from his apartment. Together with her husband, they rushed to his aid using their spare key to gain access to his flat. They found him tied to his bed. He told them that he had tied himself to the bed and wanted to see if he'd be able to get himself out of it, but he failed. He was embarrassed and apologized, assuring them it would never happen again, and it hadn't. Uh, the media sensationalized the fact that he had gone to a drag show shortly before his death. There was also an unconfirmed report of him visiting a gay bar near his office at MI6. They speculated that he may have locked himself into the bag um, because it was maybe a fetish of his. Uh, with the key underneath them. Right. The and zipped it somehow and locked it with yeah. a padlock. Yeah. And a bathtub. So investi- <laughs> investigators had to, confer- had to determine if it would have even been possible for him to have climbed in the bag himself. Um, there Randy, were eight- Randy's like, oh, it's possible. Randy's in the background. <laughs> oh, you can get it done, mate. <laughs> well, I guess they're not in Australia. <laughs> Randy might be. <laughs> Randy might be Australia. Look at those. They were able to rule out the su- suicide theory pretty quickly, though. Uh, although he was not 100% happy with his current job situation. He- Who is? <laughs> he was about to return to GCHQ. And his old apartment, his juicy Q, in his old apartment in the country. Uh, There were no indications that he was depressed or suicidal. He made plans to meet his sister a couple days after his death, uh, which proved that he did not foresee his own demise. 
From the investigation into Garrett's personal life, it became evident that he was not into BDSM. The percentage of time Garrett spent on the websites was small. It only happened from time to time, and none of the sites included anything about claustrophilia, which is getting sexual uh, gratification from being in small spaces. Yeah. All I had to do was come over to my old apartment. <laughs> ah, it was tiny! If only he could have lived long You remember it? I do. It was a cozy little place. <laughs> <laughs> the searches were made on his phone. Um, oh, the searches to the BDSM sites were made on his phone, not his laptop. And he'd only visited them four times in the space of two years. Uh, it's more likely that the sites were pop-ups that he clicked, possibly accidentally. Nothing else in his life supported the theory that he ever practiced BDSM. Uh, the fact that the key to the padlock was found inside the bag gave the um, him trying to escape from the bag, like seeing yeah. he could do it, that gave it some credence. But if he had entered the bag as part of an exercise, surely there would have been evidence that he had researched it somehow. He would perhaps have done contortion training or educated himself in the art of escaping. Uh but the key was found under his body. No one heard, I mean, he was able to get his landlady before when he tied himself to the bed. But this is just like... Like he just gets in there. Would, and he would have to be in that bag for days before he died. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And so yeah. there was no, like, you thought he would have been thrashing around. Yeah, yeah. More than just his elbows hurt. Right. You know, his knees, thighs, just everything. Uh, well, and like you would think he'd probably be able to kind of like set up. Yeah. Try to get out of the bathtub. Like, you wouldn't think he'd just lay in the bathtub for seven days. He'd be able to rip that bag, but yeah. Well, he probably couldn't make it seven days without air, of course. Yeah. Would it be air? Would it be airtight? I (sighs) guess it could be. Uh, Probably. They brought in a group of experts. I'd be a hell of an advertisement for North Face. (laughs) It would. It would. Among them was a yoga expert as well as a military expert. Um, They were about the same build as Gareth, only slightly smaller. Between them, they made four more than 400 attempts to see if they could possibly lock themselves in the bag. Uh-huh. Uh, although they proved that he could have climbed into the bag himself, the shape of the bathtub was a hindrance. He would have had to prop himself up and push against the sides, entering the bag head first. That would have definitely left behind DNA or fingerprints on the sides of the bath. Yeah. Once he was inside the bag in the confined space, he would not have been able to hook the padlock into the zipper and lock himself inside. There's simply no way that could have happened. Because of the position of his body, experts concluded that he must have been alive but unconscious when he went into the bag. In the confined space of the bag, he would have suffocated to death in a matter of minutes. Oh, okay, so yeah. If he was unconscious but alive when he was placed into the bag, someone else had to be there. Uh, so it was very likely this was not an accident or like you know him practicing. This was murder, and someone's attempt to dispose of the body. Uh Possibly, it's like they started to dispose of it. They're like, this is just too Like, much possibly work. they thought of, like, putting him in the bag and then, like, taking him elsewhere. But yeah. then maybe they decided, like, hey, we don't feel like fucking carrying this sure guy. Sure, be heavy in the bag. Uh, That's dead weight. <laughs> so, to many people, including ex-MI6 agents who were interviewed about the case, what was significant about the evidence of the apartment on Alderney Street was perhaps not what, it was, what was found, but rather what was not found. The lack of fingerprints, footprints, and DNA in the bathtub made it clear that there had been some kind of cleanup. Gareth's family suspected that MI6 was involved in the cover-up uh, because of the nature of his work in the Secret Service. Maybe he found something that... Yeah. Uh, the MI6 had also waited for seven days before they you know, made any attempts yeah. to check on him. <clears throat> A former anonymous MI6 agent said that it was customary for British intelligence to clean up if one of their agents perished. He said that if they, did not, if they did do it in Gareth's case, it would have been to make sure that the top-secret info did not get into the wrong hands. Uh, however, this would mean that va- the evidence was also destroyed. Gareth's funeral was held at the end of September 2010. The head of MI6 was there too and said that Gareth was a talented person who did valuable work in the interest of national security. Uh, the investigation had no solid leads. It was estimated that his death occurred a week before he was found, around the 16th of August. The heating in the apartment was turned up in the middle of summer, which would have exp- expediated the decomposition. Why would they do that? It you meant, think that would make it smell worse? Like they'd want to crank the AC to like. You would think, but it would also mean that if he was poisoned, it would be harder to test for substances. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, the leading theory was that he was poisoned. But, you sure didn't know a lot about murder. But it was going to be extremely difficult to prove because, yeah, decomp. Decomp. Um, but they ended up. They never really came to a conclusion on it. Uh, they. 
Expert witness Peter Falding explained his attempts to climb into the bag and lock himself into it. He told the coroner what his conclusion was, quote, I couldn't say it's impossible, but I think even Houdini would have struggled with this one. Uh, <coughs> uh, many witnesses were later called to testify about Gareth's private life as well as professional life. Some MI6 agents could not have their identities revealed and testify from behind a screen. At the inquest, at the invest during the investigation, Metro uh, Metropolitan Police investigators learned for the first time that MI6 had searched Gareth Walker in the MI6 building shortly after his disappearance. They found nine memory sticks, uh, which was something not allowed in MI6 because it would could be used to take information out, yeah. or to bring information in. Uh, it was a huge violation, and Gareth would have been in big trouble because of it. Uh, however, due to the nature of the contents, MI6 would not hand over these memory sticks to the police. At the conclusion of the investigation, the coroner ruled that Gareth's death, Gareth's death was, quote, unnatural and likely to have been criminally me mediated. Uh, and that was pretty much where they left it. Huh. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so they just, you know, they still, a lot of people think it was possibly, uh, a, KG, a former KGB agent named Boris Karpachov. He had defected from Russia. Um, he claimed that Russian foreign intelligence was behind Gareth's murder. He alleged that they tried to blackmail him into becoming a double agent, but he was he wouldn't do it. Um, he said that he already knew of a spy with NGCHQ. Um, Boris defected to the UK in 98. Uh... They never could prove this or whatever. So it could have been the Russians. Uh, could have been MI6, you know, taking out one of their own guys. Uh, but, yeah, like, they never really, like, very definitely a government something cover up of some yeah. sort. Well, I mean, you know, you sleep in the bed with dogs and you're going to end Sp up in a bag in a bathtub. And all that. Yeah. Uh, but just the fact that they first thought that, like, there was, the, their leading theory for a long time was that he had done this himself. Yeah. Which... He's pretty just, hard to do, yeah. I think. <laughs> It'd be one thing if he, like, if it wasn't for the padlock. Yeah. I think that's where you're just like, all right, how Being do you... in the bathtub, too. Yeah. I feel like that would just... Like, why would you go to the bathtub to do it? Uh, like, you think know. you'd want, like, space? Like, you'd be on, the, like, the bedroom floor, yeah. or, like, you know, on the bed? Just be able to wiggle around a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Fucked up, yo. But just another one of those cases where it's like, clearly this isn't what you guys are saying it is. Yeah. Uh, what are they trying to distract us from? And it's, what, what are you trying to distract yeah. us from? Huh? 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 These huh? aliens? Is it? <laughs> Did aliens do this to Gareth? Did they? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's the first story up. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to take an ad break. Ad break? And then we'll be right back Okay. with two other stories. We'll be right back. And they are very weird. When we're right back. Bye. All right, for now. Ta-ta for now. <laughs> TTFN. Just go! All right, we're going. Now. Right? Yeah, now. 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 We are back now. Yep. And forever. I was, well, for a little while. Up. I woke you up. Forever. I do like those glasses. Thanks, buddy. You got new glasses. Now that I'm looking at them. Now that you I like them. look at me in the face. Yeah, now that I you know, have to look at you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. I got new glasses. They make you look like... Uh, uh, they make you look like you're up to something. Oh, I'm always they, up to something. That's what they make you look like. Okay, I'm always they up to something. They make you look like you're yeah. up to, like, you're going to invent something soon. Okay. Yeah. Like the double bar, maybe? The, I don't know, maybe. Mm, yeah. Make thanks. you look really smart. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Well. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad that I don't have to disappoint you and you already know that I'm not. I think, you know, you don't want to be too smart. No. You just want to be... That smart doesn't make enough. sense to me, but if you say so, yes, he's smart I'm not even smart enough to like agree with that. Like, okay, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life for someone to say you don't want to be too smart, and I'll be like, don't worry, <laughs> are they there? <laughs> are they there? Nailed it. <laughs> All right, uh, we got two more very, very weird, very weird stories. Uh, hey, we just had an ad break. Can we do an anti-ad break? What would that be? Fuck Menards. Fuck Menards. Fuck Menards. I want to get into God. Menards for Can we get into Menards for a second? You have built your Nards up <laughs> so much. Fuck, dude. I, mean, I wanted to like Menards more than I wanted to like anything else. We stopped there. <laughs> so Why'd we stop? Every time we go, 
to Athens, Ohio. Yeah. We pass Menards. Menards! And you... <laughs> I go crazy. You love it. I love you it. You love it. I have you look at Menards. I hear about your Nards <laughs> for, for 12 to 15 it's minutes. All, yeah. But today we decided, after we went to the the uh, flea market uh-huh. in Athens, we decided, I decided, let's stop at Menards <laughs> because maybe they have, like, sports cards. Maybe. <clears throat> because all kinds of random places do now. Sure. And it's supposed to be, like, basically a Walmart meets, like, a Lowe's. Yeah, like if a Walmart and a Lowe's fucked in the back of a Kmart, you'd get a Menards. Yeah. So I thought maybe we'd have some cards there. Yeah. McCards at Menards. <laughs> Menards. So we go in. <laughs> there's no cards. You have to go through a turnstile. Yeah. Just to walk through. They get I, in. I don't like. I don't like it at all. And then it's just, you know. I was like, I'm a little, am I going to get stuck on this thing? <laughs> just, I worry about shit that's never going to happen. It's like, why are we doing this? Just let me walk freely through. Yeah. You said it. We felt you felt like cattle in there. Just I being felt herded. like we were being so. Like once you're once you're through the turnstile, you can't just go back through the turnstile <laughs> nope. and leave. We had we had like we walked around this damn store back and forth <laughs> for like twenty minutes trying to figure out how the hell to get out. Yeah. So we ended up having to go out a whole different. We saw that same exit. couple that <laughs> with two carts and three kids standing in the Febreze, looking at Febreze for <laughs> the whole aisle. Oh my god! But yeah, Menards sucks. Fuck Menards. Your Nards blows. <laughs> I'm sorry about Menards. You have some of the worst Nards I've ever been. <laughs> okay. Well, I just I just want to put that out there for people. We have it. This is our anti ad. I don't ever want to go into a Nard, don't go, Nards again. I don't even know if I'll yell Menards when yeah. I drive by it. I they, will. But I don't know if I will. I think they've ruined that. They might have. I think they... It used to be so much fun. They don't live up to their expectations. I'm like, oh, it's dark. Can you still see Menards? Yeah. Can you find Menards in the dark? No more. No <laughs> they more. ruined it. I say let them... Let the dark have them. Okay. Yeah. That so place sucks. From now on, we're, we're, we're a non-Menards podcast. I think it just shows you like we how non-grown up we are, though. It, it proves not to meet your heroes. Like We see it, and we're just like, this is all so boring. <laughs> it was the worst in there. It was just like a bunch of shit that like I don't have time for. No, there's so much to look at. Yeah. It's just, yeah. fuck Menards. That's, I like the anti-ad. <laughs> Where else do we hate? Oh, let's just get to the stories. <laughs> All right, so do you want to hear about uh, <laughs> weird twins or a very strange disappearance of a little girl? Let's Which save the first? twins for last. All right. Well, then up first, let's talk about little Pauline Picard. Okay. So we're going all the way back to 1922. Uh, April 6th, 1922. Two-year-old Pauline Picard disappeared while playing outside on her family's farm. How old? Two years old. Oh, shit. Uh, this was in northern France. Okay. Uh, Saint-Rival. So more than 150 people combed the Picard family farm and surrounding woods and countryside the day she disappeared, uh, trying to find the missing toddler. But they didn't find anything. Pauline's family assumed she'd wandered off from the farm and had fallen victim to the cold or been attacked and eaten by a wild boar. Uh, Without a body, though, there was still a chance she was alive. So there was talk of a chimney sweep that came into the village and enticed Pauline with candy. candy. A neighbor said she saw two, two teenagers who hung around, or two strangers who hung around the farm during the time the disappearance took place. So everybody's coming out of the woodwork with, like, you know, I saw this person. Yeah, I saw Yeah. Um, I saw someone that might... Detectives in the area spent the next month searching the countryside, but found no trace of Pauline. It was like she had just vanished. Her parents and the police initially suspected the girls kidnapped, uh, but there was neither a ransom note nor any other evidence of kidnapping. Together with hundreds of helpers, the police searched for clues in the nearby fields and forests. All the neighbors and all the inhabitants of the surrounding towns and villages were questioned. Uh, Nothing turned up, though. The search turned up no trace of the missing girl, and hopes began to fade. Early in the investigation, suspicion fell on a man, a man called Caramon. He was an umbrella salesman, which has got to be just tough work. Yeah. 1922, I mean, maybe you could sell a few. Uh, can't you imagine. when it rains? Can't imagine now some guy coming to my you door. You ever want to go out in the rain but not be wet? Hello, governor. <laughs> Would you like a brelly? Uh, I knocked on your door with the umbrella. Save the pressure, <laughs> save the stress on my hands. He worked... This dude worked as a farmhand for the Picards and had been invited to breakfast that day uh, that she disappeared. He was said to cuddle her a lot, 
and had been heard telling her Joe Biden that he'd find her a good home near her town. You know, maybe don't tell my two-year-old yeah. that you're going to find <laughs> One day her. I'm going to take you away from this place. Yeah. Uh, around 1 p.m. Oh, on the day so of the bad. disappearance, he was left alone with Pauline and was overheard telling her that she's going to go with him. Sounds like a pretty strong suspect. How can, she, how can he be left alone yeah. and overheard? Yeah. Who, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. who's... But, yeah, also, who's just leaving... Which, I mean, I, I guess maybe that means, like, he was in another... Like, they were in the same room together. Like, yeah, next okay. room over was one of the... Right, you yeah. know. Uh, police followed this, uh, you know, f- this uh, possible lead. Um, they followed the path that he would have taken to leave town and decided that he couldn't have committed the crime based on the timing. He was jailed, though, and released on May 10th for fraud, uh, but this was not related to the disappearance. Then there was also a middle-aged farmer, uh, Eve Martin. He... This is... I mean, this guy is, I don't know if this guy took her, but he, he did something. <laughs> uh, uh, he visited the Picards and said that he understood their daughter had been found when told that, oh, this was so, and this, little spoiler alert here. Okay. So something else happens before too long. So this is after that <laughs> happens. Um, I should have pasted this later. But uh, I'll come back to this. Okay. So shortly after the police. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. You're fine. Okay. So shortly after the police had filed the case as unexplainable. Um, a girl matching Pauline's description was seen in uh, Cherbourg, more than 300 miles away. She was found abandoned in the hallway of a local home and was brought to the hospital. Uh, the little girl was seen a few days earlier in town with a poorly clothed woman who had tried to abandon her in a store, but was chased down and given the child back. <laughs> like, <laughs> 19, Wait, forgot this. 1922, uh, I don't think CPS was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know... Uh, life hack: If you see somebody trying to abandon their child, don't give that child. Yeah. Don't force that child back to that person. Find a better place for the child. Yeah. Uh, so authorities showed a photograph of this child to Pauline's mother, and she burst into tears, saying, "That's my daughter." Uh, they immediately, the family immediately took a train to Cherbourg to bring their missing daughter home. When the Picards first saw the girl at the, ho- at the hospital in Cherbourg. They weren't convinced it was her. Uh, the girl had no reaction to seeing her parents, or, you know, the parents, and she remained mute. The parents tried to speak to her in the local language. Uh, she didn't appear to understand any of it. The Picards did stay She's with her, though. Too. She's also, yeah. The Picards stayed with her, uh, talking, and I think this was, like, maybe a couple, like, a year or so after mm-hmm. she'd been, or no, the same year. So, yeah, she's two. Um, the Picards hung around though, uh, you know, talking to her, like treating her like she was their daughter, you know, cause they think maybe she yeah. was, but she seemed very indifferent towards them. Um, she looked like she was under, she looked like an underfed version of their daughter and she didn't seem to recognize any of them. Uh, medically she was fine. The clothing she was found in was not recognizable to her parents though. However, still the parents were convinced that this was Pauline after well, sure they a few want days to believe that for sure. You know, you went... When asked if they were sure, the father replied that of course, because she has the same hair and the same blue eyes. Uh, so the hospital sent her home with the parents in hopes that her surroundings would spark her memory and get her talking. The hope was that this girl was just traumatized and malnourished, and that she'd quickly recover. On the way home, the girl is said to have spoke three words in the family's local language on the train. But who knows if she was just repeating back yeah. things that she'd heard them she say. She said, live, laugh, love. <laughs> uh, then, upon returning to the farm in St. Revol, the little girl's siblings immediately rec- recognized her as Pauline. Uh, and the whole and the family as a whole seemed to have moved on from any doubts as to the girl's identity. So, now, rewinding. Uh, <laughs> So a middle-aged farmer named Eve Martin yeah. visited the Picards, and he said that he'd understood that their daughter had been found. Uh, when told that she had, he asked, are you sure it's Pauline? Then he added, God forgive me, I am guilty. Then, in wild laughter, he rushed from the farm, and the following day was taken to a lunatic asylum, raving mad. Uh, so again, I don't know if he took Pauline, but he had done something. like. Yeah. Uh, that's what you don't want to have. You don't want to, like, find the little kid that you think is maybe your daughter, and then some dude show up and just be like, 
I'm guilty. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Run off. Got you good. Uh, the old move your child 300 miles away. So, uh, at the end of May 1922, a farmer crossing a field about a mile from St. Reval discovered the horribly mutilated and decomposing body of a small girl. Oh, what the fuck? Uh, she was naked and her head was cut off. Oh, fuck. Close by, carefully folded, lay the clothes which Pauline had been wearing on the day she went missing. Uh, the clothes were not scattered around, indicating that someone had placed them there. The farmer rushed to the village and returned to the local police, followed by the townspeople, among them the Picards, who recognized the clothes as those worn pa- by Pauline the day she disappeared. The body could not be identified... Uh, because the face had been partly devoured by foxes. Well, plus the head got cut off, you said. Yes, I mean, the head was, like, you know, there. Okay. Uh, The body was in an area that searchers had covered many times before the initial search operation. The head, hands, and feet were missing. Yeah, they had 100 people, you said. Yeah, like 150 people out there looking. Out there searching. Like, time and time again. Yeah. Uh, The head, hands, and feet were missing, and then, yeah, the severed head was found nearby. Uh, or a severed head was found nearby. Mm. An examination of the remains was done, and the severed head was found to be abnormal for a child. Later, it was found to be that of an adult male. So, they found the body like of a dead little girl with the head with the head of an adult male. That so that's sense. not good. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Uh, the I'm no doctor. But, <laughs> I'm no doctor. But you try putting those together. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> the medical examiners were unable to state a cause of death. Uh, marks on some of the bones could have been cuts or bite marks from animals. Her stomach could be empty because she starved outside or because her captors hadn't fed her. The final report stated that Pauline probably froze to death after becoming lost. Um, because, I mean, depending on how these, like the foot, hands, and everything were severed, like, yeah. were they severed cleanly with a knife, or were they eaten off? Because that would, like, be yeah. some vital still information. Why, why the clothes? Obviously, some... Because somebody clearly folded them. She wouldn't take her clothes off, fold them yeah. neatly. Not too. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of hyperthermia. People will do get to a point where they think they're hot, yeah. and they take clothes off. But I can't see but a two-year-old in that sort of state to be like, oh, better fold these. up. Yeah. yeah. Um. So... So, following the discovery of her body, the big question was, who was the girl from Cherbourg that the Picards had been caring for? Uh, Pauline's family had no idea what to think about thing at this point. They'd brought home a little girl who they believed was their lost Pauline, but now a body was found with Pauline's clothing folding, folded neatly behind, nearby. And the body seemed to match Pauline's. At the end of May 1922, the lady who had been seen trying to abandon a girl in Cherbourg was apparently found... However, it was later discovered that she had a daughter with her. So, no idea if that was even her little girl. Wow. Um, It was speculated that the girl's parents had immigrated to America. In mid-June, the Picard sent the girl back for adoption in Cherbourg. Oh, fuck! Like, it's not that girl's little little girl's fault. Like, I was just, like, feeling bad for her because she's, like... Like, this girl's just being, like... like, They they think she's... I'm part of their family. Okay, I'm gonna go with these fucking people. Nope, we don't want you either. Oh, you found your dead daughter and now you don't want me? Like, somebody had already tried to... Call me Pauline! I don't mind! Somebody had already tried to abandon her and, like, was forced to take her back. And now these people get her and they're giving her back. Jesus. Uh, So the field where Pauline was discovered was carefully searched when she went missing, so the police focused on the theory that she'd been placed there some days later. Uh, The neatly folded clothes made it seem more likely foul play was involved. And who was the second victim? The skull found near Pauline's body. Homeboy. Uh, Courts determined that the body was that of Pauline Picard and ruled the cause of death accidental. Oh! I mean, you think that, like, an entirely different severed head would... Like, throw up some red flags. <laughs> that was an accident, too. But this is France, and they do have a history of severed heads rolling around, so maybe the they were just 1920s. like... Yeah. Uh, the little girl who had been found and who the Picards thought was possibly their daughter was sent back to Cherbourg on the, at the request of the prosecutors. Two months later, she was speaking complete sentences in that local language of the Picard family, uh. Uh, prompting the uh, courts to declare her... Uh, it's called Breton. Is the language like B R E T O N? And again, then they suggested she was the real Pauline Picard. Oh, but uh, news coverage of the little girl, whom they referred to as the girl with the pretty smile, led interested families to request to adopt her. 
She was named Marie-Louise Pauline by the Civil Court of Cherbourg and placed in the care of the Franciscan Sisters of Notre-Dame-du-Veu. Her death there is reported on January 2nd, 1924, a victim of measles. Jesus. So, did Pauline Picard wander away and die, or was she found, reunited with her family, and then given away by her family? And then die. After a body resembling her. Like, yeah. So It's amazing that this shit was even written down. <laughs> like, be history. Like, they didn't just, like... What a crazy, all, uh, poor... Like, that poor little fucking girl. That whole story. The family involved with it. Like, the siblings, it said. And just... Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be... Like, for that family to lose their little girl, think they found her. Yeah. Then give that girl back. Yeah. Only to then kind of wonder... Maybe that is her. Fuck, was that her? That again. Yeah. Hell of a story. So, yeah, that's one of those ones that's still... I'm glad we didn't save that one for last. Unsolved. (laughs) All right. So now we got twins. We got some twins. Uh, These are the Pollock twins. In May 1957, in the small town of Hexham, England, 11-year-old Joanna Pollock and her younger sister, 6-year-old Jacqueline, uh, were on their way to church with their friend Anthony when they were struck by an erratic driver. Almost instantly... The two young sisters were killed. Anthony, just nine years old, died while traveling to the hospital. Uh, It was later discovered that the driver, a local woman who was under the influence of a number of drugs, had intentionally hit the three children after being forcibly separated from her own kids. Jeez. Uh, She was trying to kill herself, too. Let's let's not save this one for last. This is... This will do the other... You have a feel-good. We'll do the other really sad story for last. Uh, The case later made headlines throughout Britain, with the woman eventually taken to a psychiatric hospital. Uh, Following the death of Joanna and Jacqueline, the girl's parents, John and Florence, were devastated. Uh, But Florence later fell pregnant. John became convinced... uh, or And they had... She had twins this time. Yeah. Uh, John became convinced that the two girls were reborn, like that his oh, previous okay. daughters were reincarnated as these twins. Yeah. Uh, the couple, who were devout Catholics, often argued over the premise of reincarnation, with Florence strongly rejecting John's belief. I mean, just let them believe that shit. How bad would that be to like lose three of your kids in a fucking terrible accident like two. that? The other was a, like a family friend. Oh, family friend. Okay, yeah. but still. And then there's like... You want to believe that you have these twins, and like, that's yeah, a lot of fucking believe right. it. Right. Uh, so, like, this argument really, like, threatened their marriage. As a result, Florence almost filed for divorce over this. Uh, there was no history of twins in either parent's family, and Florence's doctors had predicted a single birth, meaning the likelihood of twins was low. But, against all odds, Florence gave birth to twin girls on October 4th, 1958. Uh, the twins were named Jillian and Jennifer. While the twins were identical, the pair had different birthmarks, uh, which is considered highly unusual. Jennifer had a small birthmark on her left hip, which mimicked a birthmark that Jacqueline had. Oh, wow. She also had a birthmark on her forehead, which was similar to a small scar that Jacqueline had in the same spot. When the twins were three months old, the family relocated to Whitley Bay, east of Hexham. As the girls got older, it became clear that Jillian and Jennifer seemed to remember Hexham in detail, despite not growing up in the small town. Oh, wow. Uh, When the family returned to Hexham when the girls were four, the twins pointed out and named landmarks they had never seen before, such as the school Joanna and Jacqueline had attended, uh, which was the Hexham Abbey, and a playground their deceased sisters had loved. The pair even seemed to know the way to the playground without ever having been to it. Uh, likewise, the twins were able to identify their late sister's toys by name. Although Florence had stored the late girl's toys out of sight, the twins started asking for certain toys back. In fact, it was almost as if the twins remembered the toys as their own. They were able to name their toys by their names previously given to them, as they even divided the toys up exactly as their sisters did. Oh, wow. They also referred to the fact that the toys came from Santa Claus, uh, which is what the two deceased girls had believed, um... Florence and John also noticed that the twins had very similar personalities when compared to their older sisters. While Joanna was very protective of her younger sister Jacqueline, Jillian seemed more mature than her twin sister. Than her twin sister, uh, Jillian, who was born ten minutes before Jennifer, also often looked after her twin, much like Joanna looked after Jacqueline. 
The, play- the parents also noted that the twins even enjoyed the same games and foods as their siblings. For the first few years of the twins' life, Florence continued to reject John's suggestion that the pair had been reincarnated. After finding the twins talking about the car accident, however, she changed her mind. On one occasion, Florence overheard the girls playing a game where they recreated their sister's accident. (laughs) Jillian was cradling Jennifer's head, telling her, The blood's coming out of your eyes. That's where the car hit you. On another occasion, Jillian... Can't say the darndest things! (laughs) And the creepiest things. (laughs) On another occasion, Jillian pointed to Jennifer's birthmark on her forehead and told her, That is the mark Jennifer got when she fell in a bucket. Interestingly, the twin girls also appeared to have a fear of cars. In their younger years, the twins experienced reoccurring nightmares about being hit by a car. Jillian and Jennifer also regularly became frightened and anxious while near cars. Uh, when a car started in a, its engine in an alleyway, John recalled the girls grabbing onto each other in terror, shouting, the car is coming to get us. Shortly after the twins turned five, the memories of their past lives began to fade away. While the twins lost their memories of the accident... And I wonder if that's like... Because that's about kind of when you become conscious in your own life. Yeah. I think. It's like your own experiences start to yeah, kind of... Yeah. Um, while the twins lost their memories of the accident entirely, Jillian later recalled experiencing visions of herself playing in a sand pit at home in Wickham. While Jennifer had never been to Wickham, she was able to perfectly describe the house and garden that matched the home that Joanna had once lived in with her parents at four years old. While the case of the Pollock twins has long been cited as proof of reincarnation, uh, others have argued that it, the twins' memory were maybe influenced by their older brothers. Oh, okay, yeah. While John and Florence claimed they didn't speak to the twins about their deceased sisters until they were older, it has been noted that the twins may have learned about their story from their brothers. Yeah. But that's a hell of a ruse to keep up. Yeah, and that's... Did the brothers talk about that much? And was it like... Were they putting them up to doing these kind of yeah. things? Like that's just—I could believe the reincarnation thing. I believe, like it's like you always say, just the energy of—I could believe that. I mean, I maybe mean. if it was like one instance, yeah. And the brothers were but being the dreams assholes. and the toys and the, how would they still? Even if the brothers talked about the places that they used to be, I don't know. I, I, like the detail they knew. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It could have been, but it's kind of creepy. Yeah, a little bit. And then how it just kind of went away. Like even if it was like a. Like they thought they were joking or just like creeping uh-huh. their parents out to just like completely stop it all of a sudden. Is like weird. once they get like their own little yeah whatever. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, those all three of those missed like you know unsolvable. I'm Robert Stack. Uh, I do believe at least two of those stories were on unsolved mysteries. Oh really? Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, kind of bummer stories. Well, yeah, that one wasn't as much as bummer as the, the last one with the right. two-year-old girl, but uh, pretty bummer. And I don't have a feel-good. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> so what do you I mean, what do you think is going on with the uh, with all the shit being shot down? I, I have balloons no idea. and such. I, I mean, if they're saying China is spying on us, why do they need balloons to spy on us? Go fucking on Facebook. Go on yeah. TikTok. Go on anything. Right. You don't need to spy. Like we put our lives out there. The only the only thing that they the path of that was like going over where we have a lot of like missiles. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I heard that. And so yeah, but then like it's weird how news coverage works. So like they get the Chinese, you know, that balloon, and now all of a sudden they said like they changed the way they changed like the telescopes and or whatever the hell they're using like surveillance systems to pick up more of these like yeah. to. So, like, they're looking further up in the air. So, that's why we're seeing more. So, has this shit just been, like, constantly, like, been balloons have been constantly yeah. flying over? I feel like, but, I mean, I don't know what the altitude is, but it's many planes that fly over the United States every single... Yeah. But it could be below that altitude, I don't know. Now, my question is, so what happens if uh, there is an alien? Okay. Let's say, all of a sudden, there's an alien. When COVID hit... And everybody thought it was, uh, you know, the next plague. And around the same time, we had, like, the riots and, like, the protests because of George Floyd. Yeah. To me, that was, like, a lot going on, and it was very hard to go to work and try to, like, you're supposed to be just focused on, like, this mundane-ass job where you're like, hey, history's happening. Yeah. So, like... The attack on the Capitol. Attack on the Capitol. So, how is this going to work if an alien... Like, are we expected to go to work? (laughs) With, like, knowing the aliens are out there? Yeah, are we expected to just be like, well, let's just go about our days like everything's normal? 
Ellen's going in the city second now. Got to get. Got to be working by eight thirty. I'm very curious as how the world's going to respond. Because the world runs by money, and there's no. Yeah. There's like, money and fear, but I don't know how. Like, you can't. Like, sorry, I didn't pay rent, but the aliens are out but there. But there are aliens. There are aliens. So, like, turn on us yeah, now. World's so I don't give a crazy. shit what's happening now. So, uh, if there are aliens, if all of a sudden tomorrow we get news footage and it's confirmed, yeah, we, like will we still do fucking comedy shows? Like, what the fuck? Like, what's going? Like, what do you think would change about your worldview? Like, all of a sudden, no. Okay, there are other things out there, and there's one here. I mean, honestly, I don't think it would. Ch- <laughs> I don't see it changing much for me because, like, I'm not like opposed to the idea. There's others out there and stuff. All right now. I just live and let live, and I would hope the aliens would just live and let live. So, and then I'm wondering, what does this do to like very religious people? Oh, are we just going to now? Like, are they just going to now roll into like God created aliens too? Oh no, they're or, aliens are probably like an affront on God. Like, and, what's yeah? How is this going to work? Yeah, it's not going to be good. Nothing ever is good. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, I don't like it's very interesting times. Have you seen Independence Day? I have. That's what aliens are gonna do. Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, we started shooting them out of the sky, if possible. You know, yeah. so we've already kind of if that if these are alien crafts, and that's gonna yeah, maybe they're just like they're here peacefully, and we're like bang 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 pew 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 pew, yeah. and we're just getting them mad at yeah, us. Yeah, like well, we did come here to help you guys yeah. with like a lot of things, but yeah. now fuck now, you, you done you done pew pewed at us, pew pewed at us. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's some like uh, uh, astrophysicist, I forget uh-huh. his name now, but he was talking about how this could be possible. Like, it could be possible that aliens were like because to be able to travel, to be able to be from a distance that we haven't like seen yet. Yeah, uh, the amount of time it would take to travel would be like so astronomically crazy to think about. Unfathomable. But he was talking, he was talking about how like if you take. Uh, like light years. Let's say that these, like, let's say there's aliens that are advanced millions of years ahead of us. Uh, they may have figured out ways to. It's like something about like you're basically using the energy from the sun and space, and you're like melting the fabric. <laughs> like he had this whole explanation of how I'll have with some of what he's having. Yeah, but you would basically like be melting to where you could like come through wormholes. Basically, okay. Star Wars technology. Yeah. So, so even though it takes so long, like, they're still so far in the future, but they have that technology where they can come and be here now with us. Yeah, like warp speed. Awesome. Yeah, warp so, speed. you know. Uh, interesting times, I think. Sure. It's some crazy shit going on. But, yeah, we're just expected to, like... Just go about your business. go to work. Everything's yeah. cool. Uh, I don't know. I, I Film your TikToks. Like the I said, aliens are coming. all that shit was going on with COVID, and I was just like, so... And I, I'd be in the office. I'd just be like... So I'm just here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I could get this any second and die, but I'm out here. But I'm just supposed to just be like... I got I got here. bills to pay. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're so, off the rails. Little your next show is... Uh, Saturday, February 25th, Lost Anchor. And Vienna. In Vienna. And we'll get, some, uh, we'll get some stuff out there for the other shows. And uh, fuck Menards. Yeah, fuck it hard. Fuck it hard. Fuck, fuck, fuck Menards so hard. Uh... We will have, uh, if you haven't listened already, to the first episode of Ronnie Crawdad on Rooster Crow Radio. That is available now, as is the first episode of the Cosmic Whiskey Hour. Yeah. And we will have new episodes of both of those shows available uh, this weekend. Listen to well. all of this stuff. Listen to everything. Yeah. Uh, Come to all the comedy shows. Yeah. Go to Cash's job and just support him at work. <laughs> just bother me. <laughs> just, just tell me you know, just tell, don't worry about the aliens, buddy. Just you know, let be like, it's gonna be all right. Hey, Cash deserves to not be able to have to be here for eight hours. Yeah, today. yeah. Good let boy, him, extraordinary. Let him leave. Pay him to not be here. <laughs> it's worth your money to not have him around. All right, you got anything else? I got nothing. All right. Well, until next time. Fuck Menards. See you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>